Another Way to Play, episode 50. Hey, what's up? This is Travis Chappell, host of the Build Your Network podcast and the World Class podcast. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone I'm really excited to bring on. In honor of the 50th episode, it is none other than Travis Chapel. Travis is the host of the Build Your Network podcast and is launching a brand new podcast called World Class. The Build Your Network show has nearly 400 episodes and millions of downloads, um, and the World Class show that he's launching is going to be really, really cool because he's bringing on some even bigger and better guests, uh, and he's going to be putting that out, of course, on uh, podcast players, but also on YouTube and all that, so keep an eye out for that. But in this episode, Travis and I get uh, into his story and dig back way at the beginning uh, where he was growing up in a very small uh, environment where he basically went to school from the time he was in kindergarten all the way through college at the same physical 30-acre campus, um, and he thought he was actually going to be a minister. He talks about several of the pivots that he went through uh, to go from that life of uh, graduating class in high school of about 38, I believe, um, all the way to having a massive podcast uh, and and being out in uh, Las Vegas and traveling all over the world to do some high-level interviews with some really, really cool people. Um, specifically, he talks about really being in tune with uh, what he was feeling at the time, which he always just sort of felt like there was another option for him and and something that he really needed to explore and how he went ahead and did it. He also talks about the one being greater than zero. Um, For any of us who are content creators, uh, we know that well, and that's something he digs into very specifically. And then he also gets in a little bit about his book um, and some of the other books, as well as some of the other content he really highly recommends and, and gives us a little bit of a preview of his new show, World Class, as well. Um, So you're going to want to listen uh, all the way at the end for all of that. So guys, if you are getting value out of this episode or any others, please head over to iTunes, uh, hit subscribe, leave a rating and review. Really gives me some critical feedback so I can keep getting better, um, keep learning this craft, as Travis talked about, uh, even more and, and continue to grow the show so it can get in front of some more people who probably need to hear it. And if you want to connect with me personally, my Calendly link is down in the show notes, of course, so you can take a look there uh, and get on my calendar. We can connect, um, get to know each other one-on-one. I'd love to do that. Uh, So without any further ado, guys, here is my interview with Travis Chappell. Travis, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you on. Of course, Hans. Yeah, I was super, super stoked to 
be a guest. Thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, a lot of people know who you are, and if they don't, they heard a little bit about you in the intro. Um, so before we get to what you're doing now, which I definitely want to talk about, let's let's build a little bit of context and back up and talk about where your journey really began. Man, that's a good question. It's uh, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> that fair, fair enough. Let's start back um, pre-podcast, Travis. Let's let's go into the high school world. Let's let's paint that picture because that I think you've had a lot of big pivots and a lot of changes in your life. Um, so let's build that context of like what you were like in high school and then how you made it to where you're at now. Yeah, p- pivots would be definitely a good way to say it. Um, you know, pretty dizzy now at this point from all the pivots I've taken. Um, so yeah, high school, I, I was, uh, basically from the time that I was three till the time I was 21, I lived a a very similar life. Um, I, I grew up in the Northern LA County in a town called Lancaster. Um, just one of like the armpits of California. Um, not really the place that people have in mind when they think about California. And, uh, so that's kind of where I, where I grew up. Um, there was a six, 7,000 member church there. Um, it was an independent fundamental Baptist church, like a small subsect of Christianity that, um, that was kind of the religious bubble context I was raised in. And in that, in that time, I basically went to the same campus every day for like 20 years uh, for the wow. majority of my life. Um, obviously I'm, I'm 27 now. So t- 20 of my 27 years were spent on that campus. So all, you know, obviously not exactly, not, not, you know, literally seven days a week, but for the most part, I mean, we went to church there on Sunday, twice on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then we had uh, Saturday morning soul winnings. So we were there on Saturday and then school Monday through Friday, cause they had a K through 12 school on the same mm-hmm. campus. Um, so essentially every day of my life, I was going to this same campus. I mean, that's where I went to school. So that's where all my friends were. That's where, um, you know, that's where, um, my friends from church were like a lot of people have school friends and they have church friends, right? Like mine was all one and the same. So I had all the same circles. Um, I, uh, I, my sports were all played there. Um, like basically everything I did was there. And so, um, coming into college, I was still on the same campus because there was another col- there was a college that's on the campus as well. So I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, and college all in the same exact like 20, 30 acre campus, whatever that the size wow. of the school is. From a very young age, I thought my life was just going to be in ministry. Uh, during, at that at that at that high school, they don't really have like a ton of options in terms of like there's no career counselor. They don't talk to you about being a lawyer or talk to you about becoming a doctor. Mm-hmm. Or they don't talk about any of those things. They don't talk about, you know, getting your academics right or doing your, uh, making sure your transcripts look good for getting into good schools. They don't talk about any of that stuff. It was basically like, you know, they, they don't, they don't look at it in a holistic approach. Like it wasn't like a, here's 50 options and career wise, choose which one you want to do. It was mm-hmm. like a, here's two options, ministry or not ministry. So if you choose ministry, you go to the college that's on the church campus that we've been going to, right? Mm-hmm. If you choose not ministry, then like do whatever you want to do. We don't really help you with that. So, you know, wow. I mean, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of push to like get my grades up to go to an engineering school or, or, you know, go to university or any of those things or go to a quote unquote secular college. Yeah. We didn't really have any of those, any of those you know, opportunities, I guess, at the time. It's interesting that you ended up so, and I assume you went to the school on the campus, you went to college and then you initially went into ministry. Um, but then of the kids that you went to school with, how, what percentage went to the secular route and didn't stay on the 30 acre campus? 
probably about half. It was okay. solid, like 50-50. Like we had, we, we were the, by the way, we were the largest class to ever graduate from the school. I think even still to this day. Um, and we had 38 people in our graduating class. Wow. So that gives you an idea of like the size of the school and everything like that. So um, probably about 18 of us, uh, maybe 15 to 20 probably went mm -hmm. to the school on the campus and the other half didn't. Um, but that meant a variety of different things. Some of them just went straight into the workforce. Mm -hmm. A few of them went into the military, um, and then a few of them went to the local junior college. But you know, pretty much other than that, there wasn't there wasn't like I said many other options. Like nobody had, nobody ended up at like a good school or a university or anything like that. Yeah, no no big sports stars or no one going getting an academic scholarship to uh, wherever the Ivy League or something. Uh, Man, that's wild, and it's it's interesting that you've now sort of transitioned out of that, and you're you're in a very big pond, so to say, especially in the podcasting world, but you grew up in this world of 38 kids, which was deemed to be a lot. And you literally went to school with them from kindergarten or maybe preschool or whatever they called it all the way to you graduated college. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like for you, the, I can imagine the jump was, was pretty enormous, like then getting out into the quote unquote real world. Um, but you had some, some steps along the way. So, um, what when you were in college what did your first job look like and and how did you get start that progression of getting it to where you are today yeah so i mean there's a lot of pros and cons i, I, I tell everybody this like there's pros and cons to basically everybody's childhood right like mm -hmm. prob probably everybody would change a couple of things and probably everybody if they're really honest with themselves are grateful for a few things and um and so you know i would definitely change some things up from that but a, a couple of the benefits are like my best friends are literally like my brothers. Like I went, I, we've known each other since we were three years old and, um, you know, saw each other every day from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Two of them, two of my best friends didn't go to the college on the campus. One of them did. Um, so I graduated college with one of them and the other two were are like, like I said, they're just, they're like brothers at this point. Like we don't, we don't get to see each other a ton. One of them lives uh, still in, in uh, Lancaster area. One of them lives in uh, San Diego and uh, they both have jobs just like work regular jobs um and um i do what i do i'm out in vegas i travel a lot so we don't get to see each other a ton but we have a group chat and whenever we hang out it's like it's like you know hanging out with your brothers again so you know there's there's definitely there's some you know positives to to some of the sure. stuff too but um but anyway by the by the time that i got uh into college i was pretty dead set on the fact that i was going to be a ministry that's what i committed to do when i was like 12 years old at some youth mm -hmm. conference that we had put on so um that's just kind of the route that I was going. Uh, but I always had the entrepreneurial itch, like the tendencies, right? So like in elementary school, I would, I would bring stuff to school to sell to the other kids. And uh, before my senior year of high school, one of my best friends, got one of the guys I was just talking about, actually, uh, him and I started a landscaping company and we were mowing lawns uh, the summer before our senior year of high school. Um, and then we had gotten, we got connected to a couple of real estate investors and we were putting in lawns for them when they would flip a property, you know, they want to put some lipstick on the front yard. So we would come in and, and put in some sod and fix the sprinklers and set the timers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I was always, always like had a little bit of hustle in me, like a little bit of like, you know, I was the kid with money at the, you know, in terms of like my classmates and stuff like that. Like I had a bank account when I was mm -hmm. in high school, which in high school makes you feel like a baller. Like if you have a debit yeah. card in high school, like you feel like you're <laughs> rolling in the dough, you know, even though there's like $900 in there, it still feels yep. like, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm the shit. You know? Yep. So, um, 
I kept the landscaping business going throughout college, but my junior year, a friend of mine started doing door-to-door uh, -door sales. And I saw one of his paychecks and it caught my attention because that same friend, the summer before, we never saw him because he worked two full-time jobs. So he mm -hmm. was literally working 80 hours a week, like a day wow. shift and a night shift somewhere, trying to pay for his own, his own school because the college on the campus was unaccredited so that you couldn't qualify for any. There was mm -hmm. no sort of yeah. support. There was no scholarships. Like you had to pay for school. I was lucky enough to, that my parents paid for me, uh, but you know, he had to pay for his school. So he would, was working 80-hour weeks. We never saw him, never got to hang out. And when he showed me his paycheck from this other uh, sales job that he'd been doing, it, he'd only worked 20 hours that week and his paycheck was bigger than both of his paychecks working two full-time jobs the summer before. So wow. I was like, oh, crazy. So in one quarter of the time, you made more money. That is intriguing to me. Like that's something like, because I was never interested in doing a full-time job because I just had landscaping. I was like, if I'm going to make that kind of money, like I may as well just mow lawns because I'll make more money doing that. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that, I was like, okay, so there's, there's something to this. You know what I mean? Like I never liked the idea of people being rewarded the same amount that I was rewarded when I was producing so much more than they were, yep. which is why I hated the idea of like, in, like a, the same, getting paid the same wage as somebody when I knew that I would do better than they would do. Yep. Um, and so when I got into the sales world and it was like, oh, so there's, it was like a base hourly pay, like 10 bucks an hour or something small like that. But there was commissions on top of that. So I was like, okay, so I actually get paid based on the value I bring into the, the organization. That's something mm -hmm. I can get on board with. So I just kind of took off with that, man. I, I jumped in, um, I got an interview with a supervisor. I jumped in and about within the first three days, I got a promotion. So about four weeks later, I got another promotion. And then about two weeks later, I was running my own team. And then about six months after that, we were the top team, top producing team in the company. And I just really enjoyed it. I was just doing door-to-door -door sales and uh, I was still going to school full-time. I was doing like 20, 21 credits a semester. Had a full, uh, full school load. I was playing on the college basketball team. Um, which was essentially like D3 um, college mm -hmm. basketball. And um, so I had a super insanely packed schedule, but it was a lot of fun and I was making money and it felt really mm -hmm. good because on that campus, the people that worked at that company were kind of like, kind of became the people that everybody wanted to connect with because it was one of the best jobs in the entire area um, because it was super flexible. It paid hourly and you could make the commission. It was like the perfect job for a college student. And uh, so we become, we kind of became like almost like micro celebrities on the campus. There's like 800, 900 college students there, right. but everybody wanted that job. And since I was one of the team leaders, I could hire for my team. So uh, it just kind of became this like running joke that me and a couple of the other team leaders had where like we were the popular kids on campus almost because everybody wanted the jobs that we had to offer. Um, but yeah, so that's when I started in door to door. That reminds me of the kids who were always selling Comcast on, in and around the college campus. I had a buddy who was like that. And he got invited to a lot of parties because of his Comcast hookup. Yeah, bro. And yeah. Uh, he was making stupid oh. amount of money doing it. Um, anyways, mo I'm sort of struck by like what you said. You always sort of had this hustle in you. Because when you grew up in this, in this very small uh, microcosm, sliver of the world here you you thought you were going into ministry for a long time but yet you know this this really incredible paycheck or this idea of like i want to get paid for what i produce came out in your story a couple times there um where do you think that actually came from because it i i would say a lot of people think that religious factions like that kind of see money as evil and being rich as sort of a bad thing relative to the religion sure but yet you had that motivation clearly 
Yeah, they definitely, there was definitely a lot of that. I had to work through a lot of, you know, money mindset issues um, when I came out of all of that. Um, and I, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I, I, my dad fostered that spirit within me whenever he saw um, something about it. But I, I think it was, I think there was just, I don't know. I think just some people just naturally want to do those things. Like you have a natural gift. And I think that my gift was just always something to hustle. I always wanted to hustle something. Like I wanted, like the idea that making a bunch of money like could be something that I could do was, was just a really cool idea to me. And my dad uh, was a real estate agent growing up. So, you know, sometime I was like three years old, um, we were walking properties and sitting at open houses and um, like, you know, on vacation, we would, we would, he would always have like one of those, like, um, you know, uh, real estate booklets that you get in front of the, yep. you know, the little, the little yellow house thing with a bunch of stuff. Uh, Out in front of the called. grocery store, the drugstore. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah the local real always, estate listings. Yeah, yeah. God. Yep. 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 So he'd always pick up one of those. Like that's just how I grew up. So um, I think that was a little bit to do with it. Uh, and, and my dad did a good job of like fostering that spirit whenever he saw, you know, any sort of evidence that it existed. Um, in me, but um, I, I know that that wasn't the only thing because my sister grew up in the same exact context that I grew up in, and she's only a year and a half older than I am, and she's a teacher. So I yeah. know that it's not. Um, I know that it's not just that, but I think it was a combination of like I. I always it just was something inside me, um, but at the same time, my, my parents uh, fostered it well. They didn't shut it down whenever they saw it, um, kind of yeah. make its way out. So. Um, but I still always told myself, nope, 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 going to be in ministry. Mm-hmm. So you had this, you clearly had a, a moment there where you had to had a pretty serious transition from I'm going to ministry and this is my path since I'm 12, fast forward 10 or however many years. And all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm going to go do door to door. And then I'm going to eventually kind of get out of the door to door space and get into this podcast world. Can you talk about that transition and sort of the mental uh, muscles that you had to build up and flex so that you could actually go out and, you know, be in, in the bigger world and make money and start this podcast. Sure. It was the most difficult transition of anything I've done because of how it's like taboo in that world to Mm -hmm. go to a school like that and then not be in ministry. Like we had chapel, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So chapel is essentially just a mini church. Right. Um, so we, every single day, we had some speaker from at some Baptist church across the country. They'd fly them in and they would preach to us basically. And I can't tell you how many stories they would tell of like friends they knew in Bible college that like abandoned the Lord's will for their life and didn't go into ministry. And now they're like a car salesman, you know, and it was mm-hmm. always like, it, always, it was always like so demonized to be in anything besides ministry. You know, yeah. it made it seem like it made it like the way that they would say it just to me made it seem like the like that person was like hooked on drugs and was like a prostitute or something like that. Yep, you know, yep. and it was just like I, 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 there was a disconnect for me even at the time where I was like, that doesn't sound that bad. Like the, the dude even still goes to church and he yeah. tithes like 10 times what you tithe because he makes 10 times what you make at right. like $27,000 a year as an independent fundamental Baptist church youth pastor. You know, yeah. I mean? so like, it doesn't seem like it's that bad of a deal. And it seems like God seems to be pretty okay with it. You know, so like yeah. even at that point, there were still some disconnects there, but there was still not 
um, enough inside of me to like make that decision. So um, it was a, kind of a lonely time because the first couple of times that I brought it up to friends of mine, they uh, shut it down immediately. It were just kind of yep. like, you know, stick to your calling. You're here for you're here for ministry. Like make sure like you don't get tempted by the money. And I told myself the same thing. To be fair, like it, I'm 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 not mad at them for saying this stuff because my own brain was telling me all the same stuff. My own brain was telling me like, oh, it's just the devil tempting you, you know, like Satan just wants to just wants you to use his your potential for him and not for God. And mm -hmm. like these were the conversations I was having in my head. And so when I would, the first time I first couple of times I vocalized them when it got shut down, I just kind of like internalized it all. It was just like, I'm just not going to talk to anybody about it anymore. And it was kind of a lonely period of time uh, uh, for me. And I, I remember uh, we had interview days uh, at the at the school because they basically at a at a college of that size like it's their goal when they're raising funds for like projects they want to tell churches how many students they put into ministry and that's kind of their shtick right so like right before you graduate they they try to have everybody placed in a job in ministry um, so they have interview days at the campus they fly in a bunch of pastors and they do a bunch of interviews or whatever. And I remember having a few interviews at that time and just really understanding that like, man, I don't want to do this. Like, I really genuinely feel like I like the sales, there's something tugging on me. Like there's something tugging me to mm. go this other direction. And, and I, I don't, I, and I kept telling myself it was, you know, the devil or whatever. Um, but then I remember I had this one interview with a guy who happened to be my junior high youth pastor. Um, his name is Josh and he was a pastor up in Fresno at the time, which is about three hours north of where I was in Lancaster, a couple hours south of you guys up in the Bay. He, he had taken over his dad's church in Fresno. And it was the first time I had a conversation with somebody in that context from that same world that I actually looked up to and respected that gave me an option besides full-time ministry. Um, and he sat down with me and he was like, look, man, we would love to have you come up to the church just because we like you and we want you to be a part of what we're doing. Um, and he said, whether that's in a full-time capacity, we, we have that available, whether that's a part-time capacity, we have that available, um, or just like come up, work a different job and like come to the church on Sunday, like whatever it is, we, we would love to have you and, and at the time your fiance uh, come up here and, and be with us. So um, I kind of seized that opportunity because I looked at it as a way to kind of get everybody else off my back um, because I could say that I was going into ministry. So I took the part-time position mm -hmm. just so everybody, when they would ask me like, Hey man, what are you doing? What's your plans after college? Did you get placed yet? All those things I could just be like, Oh yeah, I'm working at the church up. You know, I'm working at Josh's church up in Fresno. Mm -hmm. And um, when in reality I was going to be working sales and doing the ministry stuff part-time. So when we ended up moving to Fresno, I didn't end up being able to work at the church part-time like we had agreed to because as you well know, um, I was trying to, I was trying to buy a house and I was like 20, 21 at the time. I yeah. didn't have enough years of hundred percent commission experience for the bank to qualify me for a home loan. So I took an internal transfer at the solar company I was working for to do like, um, to do lead gen side of their sales, um, operation. And it came with a salary. And so I, I needed the salary so that I could convince the bank that I was capable of making mortgage payments. Yeah. Um, and that was the only five weeks of my life that I've ever had a nine to five. And during that time, I, they made me work on Sundays. So I couldn't, I couldn't do the part-time position that, that I had agreed to do because um, they were making me work Sundays. Um, and, uh, but by the time that I quit that job, which was literally five weeks after, so it took me five weeks, bro, five weeks yeah. of being outside of the influence of the, the campus that I grew up on my entire life, five weeks of being away from that for the first time in my life ever. And, uh, after five weeks, I had enough clarity for, for when, when I quit that job. Cause I quit like two days after we closed escrow. I, I couldn't stand having it at nine to five. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as soon as I quit, 
I could have technically gone back and done the part-time work at the church. Um, but it took me five weeks and I was just like, Nope, I just don't think that that's going to be a good fit for me. It's not going to like, that means I'm not going to, that means I'm going to half-ass my work at the church. That means like the people at the church are going to be, uh, are going to benefit less. The, the staff is going to benefit less. I'm going to benefit less because I'm doing something I don't enjoy doing. And I'm taking the position away from somebody who could potentially jump in and really run with it. So like it's a lose, lose, lose situation all the way around. Yeah. If you do something that you feel obligated to do just from the opinions of others and not because you actually give a shit about it. So I just jumped straight into sales from there. And uh, that was my first full year in door to door sales was the year following that, which would be uh, 2015. It's, it's amazing that you had sort of that clarity around that. And it took you five weeks of that sort of, forced, you know, W2 life to sort of realize that. But at any point, did you ever think that you would just take the easy road and go back and do what your friends and your family told you? Or did you all like, was there always sort of a hope that like something would present itself and you just run with it and go away from that life? Um, yeah, I, I thought about it, uh, definitely because after I quit that job, I, um, I didn't have another thing. I, I had another thing lined up, but it wasn't, um, super promising. I just was looking for any excuse to quit that job. So mm. um, I, I quit that job. And I, I was initially kind of thinking like, man, what if, what if I ended up just kind of doing this full time thing? Like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good job. It's a church that I actually enjoy. Um, they, it, it was a, like, from a regular point of view, it's a really conservative church. Mm-hmm. From the point of view that I was coming from being independent, fundamental Baptist, it was more on the liberal side of the spectrum in terms of that particular subsect of Christianity. So I was like, it's actually kind of a cool church. You know, they actually get to like the girls wear pants there instead of like, you know, like floor length skirts, like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, I can go to the movie theater. Wow. That's crazy. Like wasn't allowed to go to the movie theater ever, you know, like just different things like that, that you are givens for most people. But for me, it was like, wow, this is crazy. You know? So I definitely thought about it, but um, ultimately I just knew, I knew that, like I said before, I knew that it was going to be a lose, lose situation for everybody. Cause I knew that, I knew that like, I had goals and I, I, I felt like, I felt like I had something else to accomplish outside of that sphere. And that if I went into that sphere, it would have been totally forced and not actually me, not actually who I was, um, which had never been something that people talked to me about. You've made, you finally get to that point where you're just this, this external force is tugging at you and your goals are tugging at you. And this idea of getting out into the world, uh, you finally jump in to full-time sales and you're knocking on doors, you're making good money and, and you moved around to a couple different companies, didn't you? But so how did that briefly, how did that come in? And then where in that progression did the podcast start? So I had started in solar. Um, but when I quit that job, I started knocking doors for this company that was selling um, uh, direct TV. And I did, I, they wanted a market manager in Fresno. I had a bunch of door to door experience running and building teams. So I kind of started my own team out there and within like a week, two weeks of that, not even a week, they were like, Hey, we're going to add alarms to our lineup. So it was like, okay, all of a sudden we're doing door to door. It was like a package like direct TV and alarm system and whatever. And if you couldn't sell them off the whole package, you could sell them on like, like just direct TV or just, um, alarm or whatever. And, uh, so we did that for like a week and a half. And then somebody actually knocked on our door when I was out working and my wife looking out for me, got his business card so that I could go recruit him. But in reality, he was trying to recruit me. So he gave my contact information to the owner of his company. The owner of that company contacted me 
and um, uh, sent me a signing bonus that I couldn't refuse. And so I moved my team over to door to door alarms. Um, and it was just strictly an alarm company. And uh, so that was like November, late November of 2014. So by the time 2015 hit, I was like hitting the ground running with door to door alarm sales. And uh, 2015, that was the first year that I pulled six figures uh, knocking doors. And like you said, it was pretty cool. Like the the, the schedule was flexible. We could uh, kind of work whenever we wanted to really essentially. Uh, but we worked, we were a year round operation. So there's two forms door to door, which I, I think, you know, this a um, little bit mm -hmm. with some of your experience. Um, there's summer programs and there's year round. Uh, we were a year round program. So um, we would work like four hours a day. The summer program guys, they, they hit it hard for like four months of the year, May to September, 10, 12 hours a day. They're on doors. Um, we, you know, we would go all year round, but we would go like four hours a day because we wanted to make the most of the time that we would go out. So we'd go in peak hours when people were more likely to be home and we have a yep. better response rate. So, you know, I was working like four hours a day, like 20, 25 hours a week. I had a team of three or four guys and uh, I woke up when I wanted to. I went to the gym if I wanted to. I played video games if I wanted to. We partied on the weekends, which was my first ever time like actually partying because I was mm -hmm. never allowed to do any of that before. Um, and so I wasn't just enjoying myself having a good time. But by the end of the year, when I looked back on how much income I'd made, I was happy with what I had made that year. But when I looked into the future at the future version of what this looked like, it wasn't something that I was super on board for. And so I, I, I'm just the kind of guy that's like all in or all out. And it's really difficult for me to half-ass something. So once I knew that that wasn't going to be the path for me, I couldn't go back and start knocking on doors. And this is 100% commission door-to-door -door sales. So you can't, you can't, um, you know, it's not like a regular job where you just show up and you get your paycheck on Friday, even if you're having a bad day. Like if you're having a bad day and door-to-door, -door, you don't make sales. Like you right. don't make money. And then you're just wasting your time knocking on doors for no reason. Um, yeah. So I was, at that point, I just kind of took, took a few months off. We had sold um, part of a property that we had owned uh, to a partner and, uh, cashed in a little bit on a real estate deal. My wife went back to work and I took like five, six months off, honestly, wow. um, where I basically just like, I basically was doing the work of like what 15 year old Travis should have been doing, which is what do I do with my life? You know, at this point, I'm essentially like, I looked at everything at this man. I like uh, at, the, at that point in my life, man, I looked at, I remember looking up FBI applications. I remember looking up um, like LA County fire department applications, like what that process was. I looked into like going back to school for like an actual degree instead of an unaccredited ministerial degree. Mm -hmm. um, I looked into a bunch of different options and um, uh, eventually ended up back in the business and sales world because I knew that I wanted to make a lot of money basically. Um, yep. And, uh, but that was the first time that I ever jumped into personal development, which turned me on to podcasting because my back was kind of against the wall. I was, I was doing the work of a 15 year old kid, but in the, in the body of a, you know, 22 year old with a mortgage and a wife and bills to pay. So I didn't really have a, the luxury of just kind of like, you know, sleeping on my mom's couch until I figured it out. Like I had to make a decision. And so, um, uh, I was doing a bunch of personal development, listening to podcasts for the first time, ran across a show called Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, and uh, John Lee Dumas, the host, talked about starting your own podcast. And I was just kind of like, hey, that seems like it'd be a kind of a fun thing. Plus, it would give me, if I could, if I could make it happen, it'd give me time freedom, it'd give me location freedom, it'd give me independence, mm -hmm. it'd give me financial freedom. Like, it gives me the ability to learn the online world, which I think is where everything's moving in the future anyway. So, mm -hmm. like, there was just so many positives about it that I just ended up kind of jumping in full force. And um, after I had made the decision to jump in, a buddy of mine that I knocked door-to-door -door alarms with came across this water deal. And uh, so I started selling water purification machines. And then uh, when I started selling water purification machines, um, I started uh, getting into the podcasting stuff on the side. And then eventually 
went full time with podcasting uh, about a year and a half after that, and um, I've been doing that for about but over a year. That's that's awesome. Um, thank you for breaking all that down. When you think back to that that segment of your life, that six months when you were quote unquote unemployed. Um, doing the work that 15 year old Travis should have done. Can you, can you dive in just a touch deeper on some of the, how that process started for you? Cause you said you got into personal development, but what were you actually listening to? What were you actually thinking? What kind of exercises were you doing? Because I think the people who listen to this would benefit from sort of a practical X's and O's version of that real quick. Yeah. So first off, I prioritized my health again because uh, I, I let my health, I, I'd always been in shape. I always played, I played basketball all the time growing up and um, it's a sport that very much keeps you in shape with all yep. the different sprints and, and things that you have to do. And so I, uh, I was always in good shape and uh, I when I stopped playing basketball, I got injured. I got uh, reconstructive surgery on my ankle. And uh, from that point on, I, I just kind of stopped working out as much. I didn't really care. I, I would still go to the gym and stuff and I, I would lift weights and everything, but I wasn't huge in cardio and I wasn't like, I definitely wasn't watching my diet at all. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm not the type of person, turns out, that can eat whatever they want and get away with it. So during <laughs> that time, I was knocking doors and alarms. Um, like I said, we party all the time on the weekends. So we drank, went through a lot of beer and um, had a lot of bad food. And it was honestly just kind of my rebellious year where I was just like, you know what? I followed the rules my entire life. I just kind of want to do what I want. Mm. And so like if it was 10 PM and I wanted an In-N-Out burger, like guess who's driving an In-N-Out burger at 10 PM to get a burger. You know what I mean? Like that was yeah. just what I was doing. I, it was my first year living out of my parents' household out of and like being out of my parents' household. Yes. But also having my own house, my own mortgage and being out of that religious bubble. So it's kind yeah. of what I wanted. And I blew up, bro. I was like, um, when I, when I, uh, quit playing college basketball, I was like 200, 205. I was about yeah. eight and, um, I shot up to 250 in like a wow. year. Um, so I, I got real big. And so I, well, the first thing that I did was I reprioritized my health and I started hitting the gym every day. The first thing to start off the day and, um, and getting my health back and back on track, drinking more water and watching my nutrition and hitting the gym more regularly, um, which helped me keep my mind clear and my thoughts focused, um, and then, uh, when I'd get back, I basically just was, uh, like looking for stuff on YouTube and, and podcasts, um, anything that had to do with entrepreneurial content. Yep. So I just started becoming a consumer of whatever was thrown out there. And then I started realizing that some of like the main books and things were a lot of the same ones that people were mentioning a lot of like the basic, like business building block books. Um, so I started I just started there. I started with the, the basics. So, you know, think and grow rich and how to win friends and influence people and secrets of the millionaire mind, just a mm -hmm. lot of different mindset work and things that were really fixing my broken mindset around money and about learning and self-education and, uh, and things like that. So um, that's where I always recommend people start is with mindset. Uh, everybody has, everybody mm -hmm. has preconceived thoughts and notions uh, based on their perspective, upbringing context in life. Um, and so some of those like kind of building blocks books, really help you break those down, understand why you think that way about something and mm -hmm. then help you fix it if it's broken. Um, yeah. And so I did a lot of work on mindset on, on like what I was capable of, what's possible, um, getting a formula for success. Like before I always looked at success as so um, abstract, you know, like you had to invent Facebook or angry birds in order to be successful. Like yep. it's, all, it's about having the next app idea and then you might get lucky. Right. Um, whereas like when I started listening to somebody like Grant Cardone, he was like, no, no, no. It's about, first of all, committing to get rich. Then you increase your income. Then 
after you've increased your income, you still live like you didn't increase your income and you take that money and you put it aside and then you invest in yourself and your education and make yourself better. Then you do that again, but instead of investing into your education this time, you put it into something that continues to make money for it. Like it was such a, it was such a real step-by-step process that blew my mind that I was like, wow, this is actually not abstract at all. It's not, yeah. it's not left up to luck at all. Like I can, take control of this and like, like having those types of uh, thought process completely re-engineered at that time where, you know, that was the foundation. That was the building blocks for, for everything that I, that I would you know, come to build in the, in, the, in the coming years. I love that you, you broke that down, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, you know, mindset, you know, getting your fitness right. That's all, that's all very important, but that doesn't necessarily lead you to have a, a top business podcast and get to almost 400 episodes. Right. Yeah. So when, when you first kicked it off, you started the, uh, you went to, uh, John Lee Dumas's mastermind. I think it was two or three days down at his house. You, you helped, he helped you through that process, start, build your network. But, you know, as we all know, anyone who's started a podcast, it's, it's not easy to start and you have like no listeners for a long time. Mm. Uh, can you talk through your first 50 or 100 episodes and kind of the progression you went on? Because people can look at you now and think like, man, Travis has got it going on, but you started at zero. So like, what was yeah. that, that first couple steps like? Yeah, man, it was definitely zero. And it was, uh, it was uh, very discouraging because, um, you know, 10, 11 months in, I was doing three interviews a week for 10, 11 months. And I just, and, and this was, by the way, like, this was after having guests like Ed Milet, I like three, 400 downloads an episode. And I just had thought, not really from what people told me, just I, I thought in my head, like, man, if, if I can get Grant Cardone and he'll share our episode, I'll never have to worry about downloads again, you know? And I just didn't understand yep. how the industry worked. It was just, I was honestly just naivety. I, I just didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't realize that that just not, is just not how it works. And uh, so it was very discouraging for a while. Um, but, um, you know, I made a commitment from the beginning, a commitment to myself that if I were going to, if I was going to start a show that I was going to see it through until it was successful, not if it was successful or showed signs of success. And sure, there's some, at some point you got to take an idea behind the barn and shoot it, right? Like Kevin O'Leary right. does on Shark Tank. Um, but I think most people give up before that point. They, yep. take, they take a good idea behind the barn and shoot it just because it hasn't taken off in three months due to some lucky coincidence like their friend did that was a total one-off that's not duplicatable um, or replicatable at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, for me, it was just that commitment to myself to stay with it for two years. I was like, give, give two years. If I, if at the end of two years and you know, nothing's good, nothing good has come of this, I'll fold up shop and call it quits. Um, so I, at the end of the first year I was getting real discouraged, but I was like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll just stop looking at the numbers because, uh, regardless of what the numbers look like, I'm going to do this for two years anyway. And so I stopped paying attention to the numbers as much and started just focusing on the content, the community, the audience that I was building. Um, and, uh, sleep ended up working out. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the numbers. That's critical. And one of the things that you shared with me when I first started, and it's something I think you said Gary V sent out was that one greater than zero thing. Yeah. And that's something that I've really tried to take to heart as I get different guests and bigger guests on the show is try and get as good of an interview, good of content as humanly possible. But really more than that, like, cause at some point in the, especially in the beginning, you're just not that good, you know, focus on it as if 
you know, thousands and thousands of people are listening, even though it's just that one person, like put the effort and the energy and the care into it, even though it's probably your mom and like your best friend downloading it, but not actually listening to the whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, I was actually going to talk about that, but, um, but yeah, if you want me to, I can, I can talk please. About that. Yeah. Yeah. So one is greater than zero. That was, um, I had two things, uh, that, that I had at the very beginning of my show. One of them was uh, a wallpaper on my iPhone and that was the one, it was just a one, a greater than sign and a zero. And that's what it meant. The other one was a Steve Martin quote that was be so good. They can't ignore you. And I put that on the top of my whiteboard in my, in my home office. And I think those two things are what it takes to have a successful show is understanding that if you have one person that's willing to listen to you, one person that's, that's willing to digest what you're saying, one person that gets value from what you're saying, then it's worth putting out content for them and making it the best that you possibly can. Because people have this idea, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll half-ass my content, but once, I, once I'm at like 100,000 downloads or a million downloads or whatever that magical number is uh, that you're thinking, then I'll put in the, the, the work to make it really good quality because, you know, like right now it's just not worth it for me. It's like, well, you're probably never going to get to that point. Right. Probably just won't because the only way to get to an audience of a million people is to treat your current audience as if it's already an audience of a million people when it comes to the quality of the stuff that you're putting out. So you have to be in it for the long haul and, uh, and, and treat the people that you currently have as if you have an audience, um, act as if you're have a hundred thousand downloads once you hit that publish button. Um, even though you only have 27, yep. you, you have to be willing to put in the work and the uh, quality of work necessary to have an audience. And that's the only way to get it. It's not, it doesn't, it's not the other way around. Like you have yep. to have the quality first, then the people come. It's not people come and then you can focus on making it good. It has to be good. Um, and then that second quote, be so good, they can't ignore you. Like that was, that was huge for me because Steve Martin was obviously in an insanely saturated space. And at the time it was way more difficult to make it in comedy. Um, if you look at, if you look at when Steve Martin had became famous for being a, a funny dude, like back then you had to wow producers and like be a special talent. Like they, there, there weren't, now you start a YouTube channel or you go on Instagram yep. or you get lucky on TikTok or you maybe like rode the vine wave up. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways to try to get in that space now. But back then, like you get a meeting with a producer, you have to wow them or like you're done. And then you have to hope for the next opportunity. And, and hopefully that's a producer that actually can make some waves for you. Like, so the fact that he lived by that mantra to basically say like, Hey, look, if I can just get really, really good at my craft, if I can be one of the best people out there, then they're not going to be able to ignore me. At a certain point, mm -hmm. people can't ignore me. And that's what I thought into, to myself, which is like, if I can get the best possible guests, if I can have conversations with the top influencers in the space, then people won't be able to ignore that. They can't ignore it. It's too good, right? Yep. So um, that was, that was both, two, two, both, both of those concepts were, were huge for me when I started. Yeah, thank you for for breaking those down. I want to respect the rest of your day, um, and and get as we're getting towards the end. Um, but there's one other thing I wanted to hit before we get to the focus five, which is uh, the fact that starting a podcast is not necessarily like the reason to start a podcast is not necessarily to build a hundred thousand or a million person audience. Like there are a lot of other ways to monetize or benefit from a small show, even sure. and that's a lot of the content that you've put out and a lot of the coaching that you do. Um, but I was wanting to, because this is something we talk about in our mastermind all the time of different people in different businesses and how they can use a platform like a podcast to further their 
their new business or the existing business they have. But I was hoping you could sort of break that down for the audience just a little bit further because I think it's a really powerful mindset distinction if someone's thinking about starting a platform. Yeah, so there's there's so many reasons to start a show. It, 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 and even for those of you out there who are listening to this and you're like, well, I don't really care to have a, a Gary Vaynerchuk size audience. Like I don't really, like I don't really see myself becoming an influencer or whatever. Like, okay, who cares? Like start a show anyway, because there's so many other benefits. Like number one, first and foremost is your network. When I started my show, I can't express how little people I knew. Um, the most successful person that I had in my circles at the time was making like 150 K a year. Um, that was it. That was the most successful. That was like the example that I had. Um, so, uh, I, now being able, like now having interviewed over $10 billion of net worth on my podcast, um, and having people that I can text or call that are seven, eight, nine, ten figure earners, um, that I know because of my show, like that by itself is invaluable. If I, if I'd never made a dime off of the show, it would still be a hundred percent worth everything that I've ever put into it just for having a network like that. Um, so networks, first of all, second, your knowledge base. This is, um, my podcast is my number one accountability partner when it comes to learning new things. Uh, that's why I've read all the top network, networking books. I feel like I owe it to my audience to have read all the top networking books and become one of the experts in the space because that's what I talk about all the time. And I want to be learning along with my audience, not just to like teach my audience what I already know and have them like come up above my knowledge base. Like I want to continue learning myself. So it keeps me accountable to continue like, um, to continue putting out content. And they say you never truly learn something until you teach it. And uh, that's this very same thing with, uh, with, with, with the podcast content. It makes me learn it in a completely different light when I have to be able to articulate what I just learned to my audience. Um, and uh, so it's a huge learning accountability partner and will help you perfect your craft and increase your knowledge base. And then uh, if you are already a business owner, entrepreneur, if you're making six or seven figures, you have an offer that's a really solid offer that converts well to your ideal customer. You have a process, a sales system, lead gen, like you have systems and all that stuff set up. A podcast is the perfect way to amplify all of those tools and, and resources. Um, yep. It's the number. It's it's the number one business development tool that exists, um, because uh, a lot of people a lot of people confuse it and they think that like you know only their only their uh, audience members are going to benefit from their content. What about the guests you bring on the show? What if the guests you bring on are also going to benefit from your content? Like the guest might even be the one to reach out and be like, hey man, I'm in need of your products or services. Like you never know. Um, so yep. it's a huge business development tool that allows you to build relationships with people that are, you know, influencers. Sure. Share credibility with people that are really well known. Sure. I mean, that helps get your name out there. Um, but then, um, but then you can also like actually get clients like real clients from having the show, um, as a, as a lead gen source. Um, so yeah. I mean, there's a few things right there. Plus, I mean, it helps your communication skills because you have yep. to learn how to articulate things. Like you're talking into a microphone for hours and hours. Um, like you, you get better at uh, interviewing people, which makes you a better question asker. And if you're a good question asker, then you're a better conversationalist in other, in other contexts. Um, and then with all the people that you talk to on the show, it allows you to see different aspects of different business models and different things that other people are doing, which only makes you a better conversationalist with other people that you meet in the future. Like there's just so many, there's benefits upon benefits upon benefits of, of, of having a show. Um, and I recommend everybody do it, even if you have zero intention of monetizing it or making it a million downloads show, like whatever, like whatever it is that you do, it's worth having the show. It's worth producing content. Um, and if you don't have the time to do it, look for agencies like mine that will produce the show for you and 
let you do what you do best and, and just let us do what we do best, which is create world-class um, podcasts and media. That's really well said, man. I haven't shared this on the, on the podcast before, but I think in another interview, but just for me, I've been posting a two a week and I've been posting on LinkedIn and Facebook and all those places. And a buddy of mine from my rowing days reached out. He's now in the lending space. He wanted to get on a call to connect because he's loving what I'm doing on the podcast. Then he connected me with somebody in my area who's a CPA, who has a big fat client base and was happened to be looking for realtor referrals in the East Bay. And so now through, through putting out this consistent content, making a connection, and then he made another connection, I now have this great partnership for you know, potentially a CPA, you know, real estate agent referral network. And I mean, I couldn't have whiteboarded that out if I tried when I first started this thing, but that's right. the kind of stuff that can really come from just simply putting stuff out. Yep. Yep. You get more of what you put out. So when you put that kind of stuff out into the universe, uh, you're going to, you're going to start getting responses from people that you just had no idea were even like paying attention to what you did. Thank you for all that. And I want to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you Sweet. ready? Let's do it. What is the number one book that you've been giving or recommending lately? Uh, um, in general, Yes. Uh, so in general, I, I got to go with two of Mark Manson's books. Uh, maybe it's better just to recommend the author, Mark Manson, yep. um, for personal development, modern day philosophy, I guess even is, is more how I would categorize it. Um, two of the best books that I've ever read on, on like how to live your life effectively and, and how to you know, have a happy, fruitful life. Um, and that's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and Everything's Fucked, both of them by Mark Manson. And you have a book too, so you could you could maybe tag that one in there as I well. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet your hero, yeah. If you want to learn how I've gotten over ten billion dollars in net worth and interviews on my show, I give exact scripts and breakdowns of how to reach out to people that are um, experiencing success on a level that's much higher than the one that you are currently experiencing it on. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that be and why? Yeah, I've, I've I've asked a similar question on my show, and I feel like I feel like um, I, I got to go with somebody in the past, just because if they're present, I could probably actually get them at some point. Um, so I would say I would say Winston Churchill uh, would mm -hmm. be an amazing conversation uh, because of the way that he led uh, one of the world's powerhouses through a time of insane turmoil. Um, in World War II and things. And I think that would be a in very interesting conversation. Um, and then uh, if I gave you somebody that is living currently, um, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta put The Rock or LeBron James up at the top of that list. Right on. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, oh, podcasts. I, I think everybody should have a podcast. And uh, I think a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people, even in the podcasting space, disagree with me. They're like, oh, not everybody want, needs a podcast. You know, you just can go on a podcast. Um, but uh, again, I think all those people just don't think about all of the different things that come from a podcast, all the different benefits, not just the, well, I'm going to get, you know, influence and fans. Like, like putting that aside, um, not even thinking about that, all the other external benefits of having a show um, is, what, is what I preach. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? 
Um, yeah, so it's a lot less formulated uh, than most people, but um, I typically, I'm not, I wouldn't say I wake up every day without an alarm because if I have like a really busy day uh, scheduled out, then I'll have to get up earlier than I'm used to to make sure I get a gym session in before I get to work. Um, but, uh, uh, the majority of the time I wake up whenever I want, um, and, uh, uh, go to the gym pretty much right off the bat, uh, come home, uh, sit down and, uh, uh, journal, uh, which lets me write down what my schedule is for the day. Um, like my big three, what are the things I really need to accomplish today? Um, and then, uh, grab a cup of coffee and, uh, and then get into, get into some, like, uh, try, I try to avoid email at that very first part of the day and try to get into like some of, some of the you know, major tasks that I have to accomplish. Um, but yeah, that's about it, man. I, it's not crazy amount during my journaling. I'll do like, I'll write down what I got to do for the day and then I'll, uh, write down affirmations, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that would, that would be it. So, you know, wake up, usually hydrate and then go hit the gym. Um, and then, uh, you know, shower, all that stuff, come back home and, uh, journal affirmations, get a cup of coffee and get to work. Right on man. Travis, thank you so much for being on the show today. What is the best place that we can connect with you online? And just cause I know you have a couple of things coming down the pipe. What are the things you're really excited to put out there that, uh, we should be paying attention to? So TravisChapel.com is basically everything that I, that I have. You can find over there. Uh, it's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, TravisChapel.com. I'll say, I'll say two things. One, if you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur and you are interested in starting a podcast based on the conversation that we had today, uh, but you just don't have the time or team or resources to dedicate to uh, figuring out all the backend stuff and how the tech works and how it, all that stuff comes together. Um, you just want somebody who knows what they're doing to handle that for you so that you can just focus on the content and then you can focus on what you're really good at, which is serving your clients and customers. Then just go to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And there's a quick application there that will lead to a phone call with me and we'll see if we might be a good fit to work together on building that show for you. And then I'm actually launching a new show myself, uh, which is going to be called World Class. And that's launching the first week of March. Uh, so that's, that's uh, one of the bigger projects that I have on my list at the moment. So if you're listening, whatever podcast player or app you're listening to this on, just go search World Class as long as it's after March 4th, 2020. And um, I'd be happy to chat with you over there. Subscribe, leave a rating and review, and um, we'll, we'll definitely uh, connect soon. And as someone who has worked with Travis and hired him to help me start this podcast. I can attest to his coaching and and what he was able to do and just the shortcut that hiring him and working with him uh, gave me to actually getting something out into the world and launching. And as you can see from episode 50 here, um, you know, I've gotten 50 episodes down and I've got a lot more to come. um, And that's in no small part uh, because of what Travis helped me figure out from the very beginning. So absolutely worth going over there. If you're even thinking about it, uh, go hit him up because he's a great guy and will definitely, definitely be able to help you with a uh, podcast launch. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, man, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for all your help um, getting my show started and best of luck with all of your success and the new show coming out in March. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. And that does it for today. Guys, if you want to connect with Travis, 
Uh, his website is down in the show notes. It's TravisChapel2P2Ls.com. Uh, make sure you go over there, hit him up. And if you are interested in starting a show, I would really, really highly recommend you go at least have a conversation with him. Uh, I did that personally before I started this show, and he was instrumental in helping me get it off the ground. I can't uh, thank him enough and encourage you to go do the same if you're even slightly interested in uh, getting something up and off the ground. Of course, if you are getting value out of this, I would really appreciate a rating and a review over on iTunes because it really helps the show grow um, and get in front of more people and tells the algorithm uh, what you think. And it also gives me some critical feedback. And if you want to connect on a personal level, my Calendly link is always in the show notes. I would love to connect with you one-on-one and uh, hear who you are uh, and what I can uh, do to continue to uh, you know, add value to you as, as a listener and just keep making the show better. So without any further ado, I'm going to sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.